Genesis chapter 3, if you would please. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 9. We're going to draw from one verse of scripture here. Genesis 3 and verse number 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? The Lord God called to Adam and said, Where art thou? This is a question that God was not asking because he did not know the answer. It's a question that he was asking because he needed Adam to give him an answer. God knows where you are today. But I want to tell you that it is very important for you to know where you are. It's very important for you to know where you are. Because if you don't know where you are, then you will define, begin to define yourself by where you're presently standing. And so you've got to decide today if the place that you are is your state or your fate. And so I want to help somebody today and I want to preach to you it's time to reposition. It's time to reposition. You may be seated in Jesus' name. The Lord God called unto Adam and he said, Where art thou? I think sometimes we sincerely believe that the Lord needs our help. And that the questions that are posed to us in times of prayer, seasons of prayer, is because we have finally been the one with historical coincidence to stump God. That we are finally the one that has become so complex in our thinking that we have absolutely stumped God. We have caused Him to extend his neck over the balcony of heaven to look down upon earth and to scratch his holy head with his hand and to say, I do not know what to do. I don't even know where they are. I don't even know what they're facing. I'm not even sure that we have an answer for this. Can I just respectfully submit to you something that surely you already know today? That the psalmist said it well when he said, he knows the way... That I take. He went as far as to say that if I were to make my bed in the lowest of hell. He is with me. Should I ascend into the highest of heavens. He is with me. I feel like reminding somebody just at the beginning today. Before we ever even embark on this journey through the word today. That. You need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no question whatsoever. God knows where you are. He knows what you're facing. He sees your trouble today. The mountain that you're looking at, you're not the only one that sees that mountain. God sees that mountain. And God has the wisdom and the discernment and the infinite knowledge that he will either move that mountain or he'll give you the grace to climb that mountain. But just because the mountain does not move does not mean that you are forgotten. And so I felt the Lord ask the question to me, where art thou? And we often respond with the same response as Ezekiel did in the Valley of Dry Bones. Oh, Lord, thou knowest. Yes, we have settled the fact this morning.
God knows. So now let's deal with the unanswered question. Where art thou? Do you know? If today were the coming of the Lord and the trumpet were to sound, where art thou? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Are you saved? Where art thou? Is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with your family? And if it's not right with your family, can it be right with God? Where art thou this morning? Now, past failures, present predicaments can sometimes make us feel a little disoriented in the maze called called life. It can be kind of complex at times trying to weave your way through, especially understanding that you really can't see every turn before you get there. Anybody here know what I'm talking about when I say sometimes you walk in the dark? But it is with a certainty that we know this morning we walk by faith and not by sight because God is faithful to us even when we have not been faithful to Him. I am certain here today and not without cause that there are people in this room that at some point in your life you have asked the question before the Lord and others, where in the world am I and how in the world do I get out of here? Where am I right now? This is a weird season. Anybody had one of those lately? Like a weird season. It's not like you're down, but you're sure not up. It's not like you're stuck, but you're sure not through. You're just in a season. You're just like, I don't know. And when the Holy Ghost postures a watchman on the wall to ask the question today, where art thou? Some of you can honestly say, I have no clue. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know why God's doing what he's doing. I've scratched my head on more than one occasion in the last several days and said, what in the world are you doing? How are you working on this? How in the world are you going to come through on this? God, this is something that I cannot reach on my own. I cannot fix it on my own. I cannot touch it on my own. I cannot make a difference on my own. And that's when I feel the gentle nudge of the hand of God saying, Exactly. So why don't you just worry about where you're at and let me handle what you're looking at? Now, let's just be honest today. All of us have been stuck at some point or another. Wondered if we'd ever be able to move on. Wondered if we'd ever be able to get out. Have you ever faced things and said statements like, I don't know how in the world I can move on from this. Well, that was 20 years ago. Guess what? You moved on. It happened. And what's amazing is it happened with you not knowing how it would. You know what this tells me? God is bigger than what I'm dealing with. God is bigger than my trouble. God is bigger than my mountain. Now, we all lose our perspective. 
When we don't have the navigation that we need to find out where we are and what we need to fix the problems that we have and that have occurred, you don't have to be a pilot to understand the potent power of navigation. You know, cars are now being made on assembly lines that you don't have to buy a GPS unit to put in it. They are made with navigational equipment and systems loaded into them. And what these systems do for us is they literally save us hours of time on a trip as they help us to avoid needless delays in our lives simply by telling us where we are in relation to where we need to go. It is the system that identifies where we are in the relationship to where I need to be going. There are times in your navigation that that equipment will say things to you like, there is a car broken down on the shoulder ahead, but you are still on the fastest route. I'm telling somebody in this house today that's looking at the wreckage and the pillage of things that have stacked up in front of you and you're wondering how in the world am I ever going to tunnel through this? But the navigation system of faith says even when I can't When I can't see my way through it and I don't know how to tunnel through it, I am still on the fastest route. I've got to believe God. Oh! If I could break it down for you like this, I feel like telling somebody today that my worst day with Him is better than my best day without Him. He never said I wouldn't have trouble. He never said you wouldn't walk through hell on earth. He never said you would not be lonely. He never said you would understand everything. But he did say I will be with you. I'm going to walk with you even to the end of the earth. Can I tell you this morning. I know about a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. said you wouldn't be disappointed (laughs) but if you're going to overcome failures and disappointments in life we must develop our own navigational system while such a system only provides location and direction not fuel not power to steer not the ability to choose the destination per se it is the information that says If I am asked, where are you, I can at least say, I know where I am. Even if I don't like where I am. I don't really want to be here, but at least I know I'm in the cleft of a rock. How do you know that? Because his hand is on me. I'd rather be by a burning bush having a move of God in my life. But sometimes I've got to be beyond a burning bush. And I've got to be in a quiet place where God can speak with me and deal with me and work with me and mold me. But what I need to know is wherever I am, he's there. He's there. You don't have to like where you are. 
but you need to know where you are. I have come to the conclusion many times in my life that the easiest thing you can do is stop and ask for direction when you don't know where you are. Now let's just get really, really transparent here. I know women blame men for it all the time. But we really have all been lost. You men don't want to read directions. Yeah, well, you're supposed to have 14 screws left over after you put it together. And then it falls apart in two months, and we're like a piece of junk. Your kids are riding a bike in this handlebar. That is the cheapest bike I've ever seen. We got gypped on that. No, you didn't. You didn't know where you were. We need, as children of God, to be okay with the fact that there's some things you just don't know. I teach this, and I believe this, to disciples of this church. That the worst thing in the world you can do in a Bible study, when somebody asks you a question that you don't know, the worst thing you can do is act like you know. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is just say, you know, I don't know. Well, but that makes me look stupid. No, it doesn't. What makes us look silly is when we try to act like we've got it all together. And then we've got to come back and get some answers and say, you know what? I could have saved some heartache if I would have just admitted in that moment that the question I had was greater than my knowledge. See, I just preached right there and y'all missed it. You thought I was talking about a Bible study. What do you do when your question mark is taller than you are? In order to ever receive the answer of how to get out of here to where I'm going, you got to find out where you are. The number one thing to do when you're lost is find out where I'm at. You know, I think everybody, when they start going somewhere, they got a pretty good idea where they want to be. But you're not lost because you don't know where you want to go. You're lost because you don't know where you are. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach this every way I can right here. We're, we're, we're trying to get some Gerber digestion going on right here, folks. I'm saying to you, everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody's got the destination figured out. But until you can answer the question, where art thou? You'll never know if you're going to make it there or not. The hardest parts of winning people to the Lord now is you got to unwin them to their idea of what they think the Lord is. We got to get saved people unsaved so we can get them saved. Well, but I mean, Pastor, you cannot discount the fact that they have a relationship with God. You know what? I don't know where anybody ever got off on that idea that just because. You're trying to help somebody find the truth. You know what that's like? That's like saying because you have to correct your kids, you're saying they don't have a relationship with their daddy. Why in the world 
Would you give your kids an attitude adjustment like that? Why in the world would you do that to your kids? They need to know that you're a loving father. Yes, they do. Very much so. And they need to be reminded before they open that mouth again like that. They have a loving father. Who cares very much about how they address their mother? See, I... I'm using all kinds of types and shadows here, and some of you aren't picking it up yet. You're not, you're not getting it yet. Your father wants you to know what kind of mother needs to be addressed in your life. And the mother, okay, let's break it down. The mother is the church, but your mama is not Roman. And it matters how you address, oh, Jesus. It matters how you address the church. You don't address this church with God being manifest in three persons. Sometimes your daddy's got to correct you and say, that ain't my church. That's not my wife. That, that, that's not my bride. Woo. <laughs> can, can I just say this and then I'll move on? You know, if... If, if, if we just keep getting to the place where we're doing everything we can to be easy to get along with, you understand that after a while, there's going to be so much fog and haze that sets in on our movement that you're not, you're not going to be able to tell truth from everybody else. We sing like them. Our, our churches look like them. We, we, we act like everything they do. I know I'm old-fashioned. I, I, I know that. I, hey, I get it. But what in the world has ever been wrong with giving your church some identity in this day and age and saying, we are absolutely, unapologetically apostolic. We are Jesus' name. We are Pentecostal. Hey, when somebody asks you what you believe, you don't have to lower your head and speak under your voice. Absolutely not. We are apostolic Jesus' name, one God. Pentecostal believers that have been baptized in his spirit and we carry his name. Oh my my. Well, but we don't want we 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 just, you know, we don't want to be offensive to people when they pull up. I mean, my god, if they see Pentecostal on the church, what are they're not even going to pull in the parking lot. Well, folks, let's just all get crazy real about this deal they know what we are before they get here now what's really going to disappoint them is if they get there and the sign don't say it and they come in thinking you were something else and then they get that in well well that's that's we're, we're, we're trying to do the trick on them pastor I don't want to do a trick on them I'm gonna tell you why I don't want to do a trick on them because doing a trick on people does not help them define where they are. This church is to be a lifeline, a ring of hope, something for people to cling to. And until they're ready to reach out and say, I want to be a part of that right there, they're never going to buy into the fact that they need God. But if we're going to become social clubs where they can come together and hang out and eat their cereal in the sanctuary, we might as well do them all a favor. 
and just buy them a year's subscription to the Lions Club and go hang out at the community club. I've been there. You bring somebody to church with you, and first time they come, and old brother so and so is going to run a lap for sure that service. <laughs> You're sitting there like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. Please don't let them stand up and scream loud. We had a young man years ago. He's moved off to another state now, so nobody's going to get hurt. He came, he came to this church, and he said, the church that I was attending, he said, the church that I was attending, the pastor asked me to not speak in tongues anymore when I prayed in church. And he said, he pulled me off into a room and told me, he said, I don't want you speaking in tongues anymore. And he said, well, why not? Why not? He said, because we're afraid that you're going to offend our guests. Well... I'm not saying I'm a prophet of doom, but I do want to tell you that church is closed down. Huh? Well, why weren't they successful? Because they can't answer the question that was asked to Adam. When the world looks at us, we ought to be able to give them an emphatic answer. We know who we are, where we are, and where we stand. We know exactly who we are. We're children of the king. We're children of the king. So it's important, not only in our doctrine, not only in our understanding of the scripture, but in our everyday life to be able to answer the question, where am I? What am I doing? Who am I supposed to be? What is it that I'm supposed to be becoming? And if that's what I'm supposed to be becoming, then how do I get there from here? So here is what begins to happen is that we begin to become defined by where we are. And as I said earlier, instead of the concept coming very clear to our mind that this is just a temporary state that I'm dwelling in, we begin to allow the enemy to make us believe this is no longer a state. This is my faith. Is there anybody in here today that'd be real enough to say, Pastor, I'm about ready to move out of this state? I'm not talking about Indiana either. Don't you be raising that hand, my God. The Spirit discerneth all things. I'm about ready to get out of this state. Because now I have identified where I am, but pastor, I don't like it. <laughs> I know there's somebody here today that knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sinking down in the quicksand of debt, sitting in your house with no electricity, stuck at home with your car repossessed, facing a hungry family, no way to feed them. Facing a lawsuit that's bigger than you. You can't afford to fight it even if you know you're right. I'm talking about people that are looking at a doctor's report that has left you dumbfounded and you can't even begin to describe it with your finite vocabulary. And if somebody asks you, How do you feel? you say, I don't know, I feel numb. 
you know where you are. So what do you do with it? I'm talking about your kids are messed up. You're fighting for your marriage. You're fighting for everything you got. Everything you're doing is a fight. Fighting to keep your job. Fighting to keep your finances in order. You just fight, 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 fight. It looks like you're going to be the one in your department that's going to get laid off. And you just came through Christmas. And now you're saying, what in the world am I going to do? Boy, it's quiet up in here right now. The Holy Ghost is working. Let me just be honest with you this morning and tell you life can feel hopeless. There are times, yes, in a Jesus name baptized, Holy Ghost filled life that you can feel hopeless. Yes, there are times as a child of God that goes to church every week that you're going to go to church today and still not have an answer when you leave here today. Well, I feel like God should have fixed it. I was in church. No, you're missing it. That's faithfulness. You're, you're, you got to do that whether he fixes it or not. Your faithfulness is not predicated on an answer of whether or not God answers you in a measure and manner in which you think he ought to give. I've got to present my body to him as a living sacrifice whether or not I get an answer. back up right now and let's take a big look at the big picture let me back you off of your porthole window that you can't see very much and let's take a look through a picture window this morning and let me fill you in on something that the devil does not want you to know okay everybody got your seatbelt on because we're fixing to jump in I'm getting ready right now to jump in off this introduction into what I came to preach to you today and I'm going to start by telling you the devil is not in charge Some of you have been walking around saying, what in the world's the devil doing to me? The devil hates my gut. You are giving him glory for things that he does not have power to do. I've come to tell somebody this morning that he is not in charge of you. Well, pastor, with everything the devil's done to me, I can't find my joy. You just gave the devil access to something that he does not have access to. He cannot have your joy. He cannot have your peace. He cannot have your sanity. Mm. I'm going to tell you this right here. We're, 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 we're going to get this down deep in your spirit, okay? Are you ready for this? Pat Paul Bingham used to say, this is a pin clicker. Here comes the pin clicker. Are you ready? The reason the enemy works so hard on your mind in this present state. Somebody say right now. He works so hard on your mind in your present is because he can't do one thing about your future. But if he can get you discouraged right here. Oh my, my. I feel something trying to move in on me right now. He wants to destroy you and make you feel hopeless in your present because he can't touch. Somebody needs to come to grips with it today. The devil don't control my destiny.
So now we got to deal with the issue. If the devil's got your joy, it's not because he took it. <laughs> Man, I was doing so good, too. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. This is real. You can't make this stuff up. It, it happened. I was preaching in a church not too far away from here. It was for sure in this galaxy and maybe somewhere in this hemisphere. And they had the, 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 the worst testimony service I've ever been a part of in my life. And this woman got up and testified. And I'm telling you, honest to God, for a solid three to six minutes, she testified about how powerful the devil was. Been all up in my family and my kids and my husband and my cereal. I'm like, oh my God. I'm telling you, we are funny people. The PA system squeals and we're like, devil's in the sound booth. Like, no, it's not, it's Sean. They're just similar. I'll pay for that later. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Projector flashes like, oh, the devil done got the project. No, he didn't. The bulb's getting weak. Can you believe the devil made me have a flat tire on my way to church? No, he didn't. You've had a bare spot on that sucker for 30,000 miles. I'm, t I'm telling y'all the truth. The devil destroyed my car. It quit running. Uh, uh You had that on one quart of oil for six months. So she gets up and testifies about everything the devil has done. The devil got in my V6. The devil got in my tires. The devil got blah, blah, blah. I'm talking on and on and on. And I'm thinking, well, bless his holy name. God have mercy. My dad used to say, bless her little pointed head. And so, I'm going to give you guys a preview window into me, okay? So I'm standing on the platform, and I'm, I'm glad nobody had a picture, but like I'm standing there with this most discomfort. You know, I'm just like, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I got my hands and I'm standing there and I feel myself kind of like giving it the old rock and roll, you know, just kind of, oh my. I'm standing there and, and the thoughts are racing through my mind right now. I'm standing like, oh, please tell me the choir is fixing to do two numbers that are going to be really good. Please tell me something is getting ready to happen. And this woman, like the devil has done this, the devil has done that. I've been, this is what she said. I've been to hell and back this week. And everybody was like, oh, bless her, Lord, bless her, Lord, bless her, Lord, bless her, Lord. And I'm like, her? Because as soon as she said her hide down, the MC said, we're so glad to have Pastor St. Clair here with us tonight. And I did not, I did not feel like the apostle that it was good for me to be here. And this is what they said. He's going to come preach for us. Give the Lord a hand as he comes. 
So I step up to the pulpit, and I'm like, oh, shoot. What in the world are we going to do? And I tried so hard to just read a text. When all of a sudden, something, ma'am, all the devil got a hold of my hand. The devil took my fist and made me whoop that man. When all of a sudden the devil got a hold of me, not really. And I stepped up to the pulpit and with kindness I said, you know what? I'm hearing a lot of talk today about all the devil has done. You've been to hell and back this week. And I said, now let's just work through the logic. And I wasn't trying to hurt nobody's feelings. I said, but hell's got your joy. Hell's got your kids. Hell's got your marriage. God gave you an opportunity this week. You went to hell and came back and left all of it there. So you've done gone to hell and back this week. And you had to walk by your son and had to walk by your husband and had to walk by your checkbook and had to walk by your joy. You know what I'm saying this morning? If you're going to go through it, grab your joy on the way through. If, hey, if you got to go through the trouble, get your victory on the way through it. I might give it to good old Narlock. Woo! Somebody say, wow. Woo! Say it backwards. <laughs> so when choosing fate over state, my mind immediately went to Joseph. Think about this, folks. He goes through stages. Feels lost in a prison despair. I'm not going to preach very long on this, but I just want to walk you through some stuff. He had to find, and this is where I'm at today. This is what I'm preaching to you. He had to find his gift in order to change his life. Mm. He realized he would not be defined by the state that he was in, but rather by the gift that was within him while he was in the state. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right there. I know, oh God help me, I can't hardly stay in my shoes right now. I know he was in prison, but his gift was greater than his gate. You ain't hearing me. The gift that was within him is what would carry him beyond the gate of that prison because he was not defined by the gate. He was defined by the gift. walk this journey. He's the second youngest of a dozen brothers. He was his father's favorite. He was gifted with prophetic dreams. Joseph is hated by his brothers for his talent and the future that his dreams had predicted. There was discussion about an attempted murder and they couldn't even make it happen so they end up selling him to a, a, a group of international travelers to become a slave. So crazy. He is sold literally as a slave and the only thing that he did was just have a gift. 
Oh, I'm fixing to preach to somebody right here. You talk about life being unfair. So far, the only apparent crime in his life is that he is a gifted man of integrity. You've got to catch this principle. Oh, my God, get this down in your soul right now. The very thing. Somebody say the very thing. The very thing that caused his brothers to hate him and to sell him was the very thing that brought him elevation. Oh. So you just hate on haters. You just keep on hating me for my gift because the thing that you hate about me is a, it's about to reposition me. Uh, his, his gifting is beginning to make room for him. It wasn't too awful long that he goes to uh, uh, to Potiphar's house and then in Potiphar's house he is accused of rape and when Potiphar's wife takes a lustful liking to him and from Potiphar's house he goes to prison and then as he's sitting in prison he has to begin to work on the gift that God has put within him. And I know that people say it's not fair that you have to go through some things. But you don't understand that the prison was his only shortcut to the throne. It didn't feel like a shortcut. But understand me when I tell you God's divine positioning system is that the ears that Joseph would need to become the mouth to the throne. Oh God have mercy. Was put next to him in the middle of his prison stuck behind a gate but God put the right ears beside him that would become his voice I'm telling somebody in the house today this is a state of gate but you're not going to be here forever this is not your fate God is repositioning you and he's put somebody in your life that can hear your gift I'm trying to help somebody right now. And faster than you can say, well, that isn't fair. Joseph finds himself second in command to Pharaoh. Everybody rejoices over the elevation, but can I tell you right now that the elevation did not come because he took just finally came to grips with the fact this is the way it's going to be. He refused to define himself by dysfunction. He refused to stay behind the gate and say, well, this is just what it's going to be. Listen, it became that every single day that I'm stuck right here is one day closer to the will of God being fulfilled in my life. I cannot fight the process if I'm ever going to stand by Pharaoh. I cannot fight the process if I'm ever going to be elevated. I want to tell somebody in the house this morning, don't hate the process. Whatever you do, don't hate your Patmos because revelation is coming. God is trying to speak to somebody in this house. You got to find the gift that's within you because the gift is greater than the gate. So Joseph sees him through a historical famine because of favor and his gift. It was through understanding his gift that Joseph escaped the prison of despair. Put this in your mind and let it marinate in the spirit of God. If Joseph would have stopped using his gift because he was in prison, he would have never been released from the prison. Some of you have let the gate lock your gift up. And think because you're locked up, your gift's locked up. 
But my faith is not faith when I'm standing at the throne. My faith is faith when I'm stuck in an inner prison and I don't know how in the world I'm getting out of here. But I know that his purpose for me is greater than what I can see. And I refuse to accept that I will always be a prisoner. That I will always be stuck in this predicament. I'm telling somebody today, you've got to shift your mind. You've got to shift your way of thinking that if you're going to get out of this thing, the first thing that has to happen is you've got to believe for a repositioning. Now I'm stuck in it, Pastor. I don't know how God can get me out of it. And you probably won't until you're out. This isn't immediate. This guy goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, 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 before you go. Listen, before you go, before you go, don't forget me when you get to Pharaoh. And if he ever needs somebody to interpret his dream, please don't forget about me. So he sits there for two more years. Well, I've asked God, Pastor, time after time after time after time after time. I've asked God. I've tried to talk to people. I've tried to get the right people. But you don't understand the timing of God. If God were to extract you out of it this morning and let you see from his perspective, it's just a short season. Anybody here today that would argue the fact that what Joseph went through was by far worse than what he was blessed with when he got to the throne would have to be a lunatic. As he stands in the favor of the Lord, looking back on what he came through. Can I just tell you right now that it never crossed Joseph's mind that what I've been through is greater than where I'm going. You've got to get it out of your mind that what you're in right now defines you. You are not a prisoner. You're going to the palace. Something. Something has to transition in your mind that you're going to be repositioned. But when you do, you're not going to stay. Oh, God, why in the world would Joseph have been elevated to the throne and then wake up one day and say, Hey, you know what, Mr. Pharaoh? You know what? I think I like prison better. Oh, pastor, that's stupid. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's been my reality more than once. Man, this is too much work. You mean I've got to be the one that organizes in this famine? Yeah, would you prefer prison? At that point, it becomes your fate and not your state. Mm, God, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. I'm almost finished. I was studying this week, and I don't want to bore you with this. I want to use one little simple illustration. But in aviation, there's a such thing as an intersection Departure, okay? I'm, I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of goofy language. But when you're taxiing out to the runway, they have an especially long runway, and there are other, there's other traffic that they, they're trying to expedite and get you out of the way. They can request for you at any intersection of that runway to cut off at any taxiway, and you depart, listen to me, you depart from right there where you are instead of going all the way to the end. But this is the principle that I'm trying to get to you. You have the right. Yes, they're in the tower. Yes, they have authority. But they cannot demand an intersection departure. You have authority as pilot in command of that aircraft to say, no, we we prefer to use the entire length. Why does that matter to you today? Because you cannot use runway that's behind you. Look, 
why don't you let us define your journey right now? And you just turn off right here. This is the shortcut. This is easier. Yeah, but if I get in trouble, I can't use what's behind me anymore. Some of you have stopped at the intersection of where you are. And you have let a power somehow that's looking at things in your life say, this is where you stop and this is where you go. But somebody's got to take authority today over your vessel and say, negative. I refuse to take a departure from this intersection. I'm going where God called me. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm not going to be stuck here forever. I demand it. It's time to reposition. Oh, 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 God, if I take off right here and you take me out of this, if you take me out of this, I'll never be able to do what you've called me to do. I refuse. I refuse an intersection departure. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to make this happen today. God, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. If I've got to endure a little bit. You know, the problem is, if we let you go all the way to the end, then you're going to have to wait on somebody else before you can leave. Then so be it. I'll wait as long as I have to wait. There's a thing called wake turbulence that if a bigger jet takes off than you are, that when you go to roll, you'll get caught up in their vortices and it'll rock your wings. A little bit of turbulence on the ground. I'll take a little shaking if I have to take a little shaking. I'll do whatever I have to do to get to where I'm supposed to be. But I'm not going to be defined by this intersection in my life and look back on and say, God, you wanted to bless me right there. You wanted to keep me right there. But I made some decisions. Hey, I'm telling somebody today, it's time to reposition. It's time to climb up out of that prison of pity today and say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm closing today. I'm closing. But somebody needs to be able to answer the question today. Where art thou? Where are you? Because it's time to reposition. If the Holy Ghost has come to this house today saying, where are you? It's not because he doesn't know. It's because he needs an answer from you. Because if you don't know where you are, he can't get you where he wants you to go. So somebody here today, and just forgive me if this sounds a little crude. I don't mean this to be crude, but hey, Jesus is coming back. We got to hurry up and get some things done. If you're not sure today whether or not you're saved... I wouldn't wait till next Sunday. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin, I would do it today. Because that way when the Holy Ghost comes to you and says, where are you? You can say, I tell you where I'm at. I'm at. I'm in the will of God. I've been baptized in his name. I've been filled with his spirit. I reject the ways of this world. I may be in it, but I'm not of it. I refuse to be what this world wants to define me to be. I will not, I will not, I will not be defined by where I am today. But I am repositioning myself. I am getting myself in order to be ready for the coming of the Lord. So that today, if the Lord comes back for the church, or if the Lord comes back for me, that my heart is ready to meet the Lord. Some of your decisions you're making right now are defined. You're making your decision predicated on where you are. 
Because you've allowed this to become a permanent state of mind for you. The Spirit of God is reaching down in this house today. He's saying to somebody in this house, it's time to reposition yourself. But the first step of repositioning is a change of thinking. If you're convinced it'll always be this way, then guess what? It's always going to be this way. But if you believe today that you're coming out of this thing and you have turned the corner, amen, you've decided today you're coming out from everything you've ever known and everything you've ever been. Pastor, you don't understand today. This is not how I was raised. I was not taught that this was truth. But you've got to reposition yourself today. You've got to sell out to the idea that this is the only way. Jesus said if you come in any other way, you are a thief and a robber. I want to be sure today that I am saved and sanctified and rapture ready I'm asking you today if you would to stretch your hands towards heaven